and welcome to the VSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast. It's uh, Thursday, September the 15th. Um, hi, Phil, how are you? Hey, very good. Thank you very much, Andrew. Yep, I'm good for. You haven't gone and joined the queues to uh, uh, see the uh, the Queen lying um, in the whatever it's the caliphate or whatever is it? I think it's called. Uh, long queue it is, mind. Yeah. Yeah, quite quite incredible the numbers of people that are coming into London for that. So yeah, quite an event. Anyway, look, we we should probably crack on. There's been quite a lot of sort of news items this week. But I think we need to sort of really go straight into rather than the usual sort of boring dribbling preamble that I often give. Um, so and actually, I think one of the big ones um, because I think it puts it all into context to a certain extent um was the ceo of icm power resigning what's your take on that graham cooley yeah i mean if they look they're developing new electrolyzer technology they're building a plant they're trying to get contracts it's you know it's very innovative technology and with it comes lots of complexities and capital required. They raised funds back in, I think, November, uh, about £250 million in funds. And the share price, you know, has, has gone down considerably since then. And they made an announcement that it was full year results. It's full year and saying that, you know, one of the main projects was suffering delays and they'd learned lots of technical lessons along the way. So, you know, there have been, been quite a few develop, you know, difficulties in developing this new new tech, which w- could be a very exciting market. Of course, it's it's uh, you know it's producing hydrogen using using electrolysis and their machines. So yeah, very disappointing. I mean, the, the stock. I mean, I think this is the point: is that if you look at what's happening in the transitional energy space, be it you know, ITM with hydrogen, our favourite Infinity with vanadium, mm. and various the others. You know, it, it's not a it's a sector problem really, rather than maybe a stock problem. I mean, ITM peaked, I think, at about seven pounds, and it's now down at just just over a pound. Now that's a, a terrible fall. It's actually off over seventy percent this year. So when people sometimes look at you know some of these stocks and go, oh God, isn't it a disaster? You know, actually part of the problem is simply that the market is out of favour big time with these stocks. Now no one likes to catch a falling knife. Well, not many people do anyway. It can be very dangerous. Um, I'm talking metaphorically here as well. Um, but clearly at some stage, you know, some of these companies, and ICM Power is an example, I think, uh, you know, it's got a well good balance sheet. It's got some very good partners on the on the you know corporate structure. Um, they will actually get oversold, haven't been actually in hindsight overbought. Um, so you know, I don't know quite where the bottom is. Clearly, when you see a CEO go, one worries a lot. Um, but maybe the new one coming in actually will put it on a better path and, and it's time to buy it. You know, the jury is clearly out at the moment, but I, I think that's the point really is that it's a sector problem. Um, there's a lot of money that went flying into it is somewhat flying out. Um, now, also of course, short term, there's this perception that because of the Ukraine war and the, the gas crisis, everybody's suddenly going, oh, oh, oh hang on a second, let's U-turn. We don't want renewables after all. We want to, and the transition energy. Let's go back to to coal and coal and things like that. Uh, but let's be honest. You know, the, the direction of travel longer term is to renewable energy and is to the transitional energy revolution. Uh, this is just a short term U-turn, um, not not a long term one. So you know, the arguments that were 
put forward two years ago to get people to invest in these stocks at the much higher levels actually do still remain in place today. It's just the, the macro environment has changed, but it will be a short term change. I think you'd agree with me, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. And if we, you know, read, I've got to go through some of the results on renewable energy related funds and what they're saying. And it, and it, and that, you know, that clearly uh, comes out. I think one of the challenges is here is, is that we've been looking at some very innovative technology, which has got huge market potential and, and that takes time to develop as well. But, but looking to overall renewable energy, I mean, I don't know, did you see the green coat renewables uh, tickers are uh, a GRPG, um, it's about 1.4 billion market cap. Um, they had their interim results, um, and they, you know, initially this was was wind farm assets in Ireland, and they've, you know, they've since expanded into Europe. It's wind and solar assets that they've got, um, and they reported, you know, their their investments as wind and solar assets generated 1,127 gigawatt hours of electricity. Uh, in the first half of this year, compared with 745 gigawatt hours in the prior period, generating cash of 92.1 uh, million uh, euros net cash generation, and then you know their net assets increased to 1.2 uh, 2 billion euros versus uh, 0.7 billion euros in the prior period because they're investing in these renewable generating assets, which are generating very clearly uh, a lot of cash and their shares uh, are up 11% year to date and it pays a just under a 5% div. So that was, uh, yeah. Well, of course, you know, yeah, actually feel they could be up an awful lot more, but the fact that of course people are, are sitting there thinking, hang on a second, they are generating extraordinarily high um, profits because of the uh, the way electricity is priced that we know is, is absurd, because yeah. it's basically the gas price. Uh, and of course, people are worried um, that um, those rules are going to change. And so actually some of the stock performances that you think would be absolutely stunning, maybe haven't been quite as stunning as they could have been because concerns of that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's that. You're, you're absolutely right. And um, but nonetheless, I think what I'm trying to say here is, is that the amount of power, now the sheer amount of power now that's being generated is is overall is is increasing you know the whole transitional energy story is far from gone away and investment you know capital investment is happening in infrastructure but but yeah here here i mean i mean downing renewable infrastructure trust uh the ticker is uh, dore i mean that had interim results as well and it's a kind of similar story you know their net assets uh increased to about 116p they were up 12.4 pence um and that was primarily by creative acquisitions, i.e. acquiring assets, increased power prices and inflation. So they saw a high, uh, a high NAV return. But uh, but again, it's just that they're also investing quite strongly in their, uh, you know, in their portfolio. So, yeah, but you're right. Two stories. Investment is going on, but you are correct that let's see how long these power prices do hold. Well, another one, it's a small one, but involved in, in power is U Group, and they had a trading update um, uh, where they said that uh, adjusted EBITDA on operational cash flow and net profitability has significantly exceeded management expectations, and the board expects a strong performance to continue for the remainder of the financial year. I don't know if you saw that. It's quite a small one, quite niche. Um, okay. But yeah, that shows what's going on potentially in the power market. Some people are making extraordinary profits. 
Yeah, that's that's for sure. Uh, another company reported this week uh, was Smart Metering Systems. Ticket is SMS, uh, 1.1 billion market cap. They had interims. Their shares are down about 8% this year, but they are trading on a multiple of nine times revenue. My words, and appeared 60, 60 times. Good grief. But that's cool. what's quite interesting is, is, is some of the dynamics of what's happening within their business. Um, and they are a big installer of smart meters, um, provide of energy data, but they saw EV networks, which I didn't know, and they also own and operate good storage assets. And total, if they've got assets and pipeline of 600 and 760 megawatts. Um, so they were reporting on the, you know, the growth in the smart meter installations. Again, you know, it's a fundamental change in the energy markets, but um, what, what was quite interesting for me was that the growth in their revenue was up 20% to um, 63 million and their profit before tax was up uh, 22% to 6 million pounds. Uh, and it's sat in cash of, I just want to do the fundraise, but it's cash is up from 5.6 to 38.6. So maybe it raised some investment as well. But it's an interesting, just an interesting way to, you know, potentially play the sector for investors. Well, it is, but actually, I, I did read them, but I, I probably scrolled down a bit further than you um, because I was looking at what they were saying about the uh, the price of lithium-ion batteries. Oh, yeah. uh, and basically, they were saying that yeah, the cost of developing these things is going up um, because, of course, we all know that lithium is becoming scarce. Lithium price is staying very strong. Um, there are other inflationary costs and there are other um, uh, logistical costs and yeah they did point out that um it, it's a problem that they are potentially facing mm -hmm. yeah well, i do get I mean, they actually say longer term we anticipate that inflation in battery and electrical equipment costs will increase the development costs for the sites that we are yet to enter construction on or are currently under exclusivity that is a little bit of a warning there about the price of lithium-ion batteries yeah isn't it just and of course you you know we you talk a lot from our, you know, from the mining side of our business about about lithium, lithium requirements, and the, you know, the market demands, and how, you know, how difficult it's going to get in terms of the scale of the, you know, the lithium that's going to be required, and what that could do to pricing. Yeah, interesting they came out with that. Yeah, now we had results from a couple of your favourites. You better better mention, which is Carrera and Ricardo. Yeah, um, do you know what? I've not got those in front of me, but I saw no, them. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, That's all right. I thought you were because you like them so much. Uh, I mean, Carrero, what they announced, they were interims, record levels, uh, and the board remains very confident in meeting expectations. So it's it's all going pretty well, I would say, at Carrero. Yeah, yeah, the profit ticked up, the bottom line, which was yeah, which was good to see. But yeah, no, that was a good, a decent set of numbers, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cyber security. Yep, good space. No, I'm sorry to catch you out there. Uh, and Ricardo had their prelims. Uh, again, actually, these were pretty good results. Uh, I mean, it was in line with expectations. The underlying profit was up 46%, so they were obviously looking pretty good. Um, but on the outlook, you know, they continue to see strong momentum, uh, underpinned by environmental and energy transition needs, uh, da di da di da um, They got a strong order book, number of high-value contracts. Um, so, you know, they confident they'll deliver on their expectations despite the uncertainty in the short term. Um, so yeah, look, I, I thought that was a pretty good set of results yeah. as well. And they're two yeah, of your yeah. little favourites. Well, well, is that, well, Ricardo. I was reading through the Ricardo ones. I think also they're seeing quite a bit of momentum because Ricardo, you know, has always been strong in automotive, 
Um, but I think that they, you know, they, they're seeing increasing activity in, in vehicle electrification plays their favour as well. That automotive expertise that they've got and years of it. Yeah, but it was, yeah, that was a, no, that was a good set of numbers. Yeah, well, sorry, I, 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 I leave it to you to go through the results. I don't want to catch you out again. <laughs> oh, but I, did, <laughs> I did read them though. Now, uh, quickly flipping back to cybersecurity, Carrero Space, I, you might have seen that CAPE Technologies. Yep. KAPE, uh, 960 billion market cap, um, and these shares have suffered. They've been down 38% year to date. Nonetheless, it is uh, digital security, privacy software, uh, and they've announced that they've raised $220 million, um, $188 million in the UK market. Um, today, that was, that was announced, and I think that is to fund uh particularly to fund acquisition activity so market appetite there yeah it was a, a really good raise actually i mean and funny enough, i mean we're all moaning at the moment about a lack of liquidity in the market and there is a lack of liquidity in the market but actually there have been one or two fundraisers coming through that have been really quite successful um so clearly there was a little bit of a glimmer of hope after all yeah no no no. i thought yeah that was, that was quite a response to that fundraise um sticking with it you know with tech um, HG Capital Trust, uh, 1.8 billion market cap. HGT is the ticker. Uh, they had interims. This is a good. This is a really interesting way to play tech investment. Um, the shares are, I think, down about 11% year to date. So holding well because HG Capital have um, they, they invest specifically in software and services and larger private software and services. Uh, companies at that. Um, their NAV of um, 2 billion increased by 1.8% uh, during the period. And we've got to remember that public, there'll be some marking, I think, public uh, company valuations here in the tech sector. And of course, they have suffered, but overall, their investment values went up, which is, which is, which is very good. And they said that across their top 20 investments, they've got 46 investments in total. And they said across their top uh top 20 the revenue and ebitda growth was 31 percent and 26 percent respectively in the last 12 months which is so these are you know really good businesses and i think hg is one that's well worth uh a bit more deeper examination as they say actually that is very good performance isn't it i mean we, yeah. we quite often do talk yeah. about some of the funds that um are around in the technology space and the biotechnology space because they are for your average investor it's quite difficult to invest you know on just one stock because there is so much risk going into some of these funds that have some really smart people running them is in my view a very good way um for what i describe as your your sip or your pension or your whatever uh, which is why we do talk about them quite a lot uh, although they you could say well but they're trading at a discount to nav and this sort of thing yeah sure but they Sometimes they, they shouldn't, in my view, actually. It should be a premium for having a good fund manager. But, um, you know, that discount probably it can get worse, can get better. Um, but it's a very good way of getting a, a wide range of exposure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you look at this, you know, the performance of the of their shares versus the wider sector, um, you know, it's out it's outperformed. I mean, the Nasdaq, I was looking at the Nasdaq and it's it's down 25 percent year to date. But I tell you what's interesting about the Nasdaq is just for a sense of perspective, it's down about twelve thousand at the moment. Um, it was six thousand at the end of two thousand eighteen. 
So even you know, despite recent falls, it's uh, it's doubled since mm. then. So just a sense it's of it's that. Yeah, there you go. Sense of perspective. So, so yes, that's HG Capital, um, and one that we have commented on before and did very well through COVID is Computer Center. Their tickers uh, CCC, three Cs, two point seven billion market cap. Their shares are down twenty five percent year to date, and they've just had their interims. Uh, the business is one hundred ninety three million cash, so it's uh, so it's well funded, but. Um, They've got three core lines of business. So technology sourcing, so sourcing all the tech you need for your business, all the hardware, professional services, uh, so that'd be like things like consultancy, uh, tech consultancy, and then management, managed services, where you, you know, you, out, you outsource your cloud services and stuff. So all the IT things that businesses um, businesses need. And they had, yeah, as I say, they reported their uh, interim results and they did very well through COVID. Uh, when companies were picking up lots of tech um, and they overall, if I've got this read, it's only small print, the um, overall revenues, technology sourcing, the main bit of the business was up by uh, 25%. So that was good. Services revenue was up 6.5%, 700 million and uh, income, overall income was up by about 20% to 4 billion pounds. But look at the profit line, profit was down 6%. Two. 100 million uh 100 and uh sorry 112 million pounds so you know so sales up but profits down and they pointed out that they had had a very large uh volume customer that they had serviced which was on a lower margin so that had had some impact on the profits but what was i thought what was quite interesting i got out of this was that they um you know overall they're still seeing strong momentum in the client base which is very interesting. Corporate still spending on IT, um, but they've also seen a material change in the supply chain. And this is this is tech, which you know, tech hardware in particular, where there being all sorts of supply issues, particularly in the semiconductor, the semiconductor side. So they're seeing an easing there. So that was very interesting to see. I think we, I think that is what we're seeing. We're seeing an easing in the supply chains. We're seeing actually a, a, quite a rapid decrease now in freight rates. The bit that I think is going to get difficult is that at some stage, even the corporate customers are going to start cutting back on their capex because yeah. it is going to get tough. Yeah, and they well, they were saying here that they're um, where are we? Uh, yeah, North America. So they're very strong in the UK, um, and they had seen some of the workplace, some of the activity in the UK slowed down. Uh, part is because when you know Windows 10 related systems have been all upgraded and installed, so that's that sort of cycles ended. Um, where they were seeing growth in particular, they said was in North America, um, and it was hyperscale data center customers. So this is real, you know, cloud services stuff that's that's still still very much you know still driving it. But yeah, inter yeah, interesting news from them, and to see the shifting dynamics in the space, but. Yes, you are right that inevitably, if the economy is continues to weaken, yeah, capex, uh, capex could get cut. Mm. There we go. All right. What next? Uh, well, smaller techie one, uh, Ileco. Uh, that's E L E C O is in the company name. E L C O is the ticker, and they are 60 million market cap. They had interims. 
Um, I've seen, I know I've met this company before. Uh, they do software for the construction industry and their customers are UK, Sweden and Germany and Netherlands. Um, and they, their software from recollection, it's all very much design related uh, in construction, um, things like interior fit out and they can simulate what, what, what interiors look like um element of facilities management stuff anyway look it's construction industry related let's see how that uh that industry grows um but they said they got a positive performance in the first half uh, growth in subscription revenues they're converting all their business over to SaaS from licenses um seeing new customer growth in the us and demand in sweden so um reasonable set of results there the revenue was fairly you know more or less flat um profits slightly down so yeah maybe some work to do for them but at least it's got yeah it's got cash in a balance sheet now uh, have you got any more results on the tech side or, or uh, no i am i'm done 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 there's one other thing on the tech side i got very excited about this week didn't i phil but i still am excited i've been chasing you then i said don't worry i've got it in hand you did well <laughs> andrew Anyway, look, this, we, we are going to do some more research on this, but I got very excited this week. Three of my favourite things all sort of came together, and that is we've, we've been looking at a private company based up in Cambridge, also has an office in Boston, uh, called Niobolt, and they make uh, ultra-fast charging sort of batteries and things by using um, tungsten, which of course is one of my favourite commodities. And more importantly than that, they've just done a, a big funding round, and the, the funding round was actually led basically by... Uh, one of the big subsidiaries of Masan, which is a huge Vietnamese um, company. And I love Vietnam too. So I've been getting very excited about, you know, super fast charging batteries, tungsten and Vietnam all put together. And this is just right up my street. So I am uber, uber excited about Niobolt. And uh, <laughs> we will be doing more research into it, I'm going to show you and, and bring you more interest, if, if, well, more more knowledge if, if we can about what's going on here but i am yeah uber excited um but we also want to just touch on the on the we do sometimes call this tech trans and brands yeah uh, we might need a third speaker to come onto the, the podcast to be brands if you're tech and tra if I, you're i'm you're trans and i'm tech brother uh, <laughs> um whichever way around uh but we did have a bit of news out in two of the brand stocks that we followed didn't we uh, phil so we got the hut group today had a, yep. a warning yeah, um, yeah. which I mean has just sent that share price is it well, it can't get much lower um, but it really is starting to prove to be you know the IPO flot of flop of I don't know what um, quite extraordinary really, isn't it yeah, um, yeah I don't know if you've got any additional comment on that other than the fact that you know to have that warning this morning it's just well as I say extraordinary yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, they, they, they said that their profit, yeah, I mean, you're always looking at gross profits on companies because it's always a reflection of pricing power that they, they have, um, you know, as well as their cost structure. But they said the, the margin, gross margin, have fallen from 46.5% down to 42%. And they, they said uh, primarily reflects the strategy to partially, partially shield consumers from adverse macroeconomic conditions. I mean, this company, That's correct me if I'm wrong, price. I think it was... It was floated, wasn't it, at about, um, I think I'm correct, about 600p. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, right, yeah. Peaked at about 800p. It's now down at 40p. God. Oh, my God. Um, and it, yeah. it's just, you know. Anyway, that was a bad brand. 
actually, I think on the good side, one of our clients, Samarkand, announced uh, a funding where they brought in Smolin, uh, which was already a strategic shareholder, where they're putting more, more money in. The directors are putting in money. And what they've done is, so that's enough money actually to see them through, hopefully, to um, to cash flow neutrality and, and you know, money worries. Money worries never get right out the door, but, you know, puts everyone's mind at rest. And then, of course, they're holding an open offer, aren't they, yeah. for, for another one and a half million if, if others want to follow in at the same price. So they're not just sort of saying, look, we're taking this money and bad luck, guys, they get the cheap stock, you don't. And actually, I've had some really positive feedback from a few major institutions who um, had got a bit worried about the, the, the performance of the company, um, which wasn't really their fault because China was the macro element that was causing all the problems. And actually, they brought me and said, you know what, Andrew, that's really good. You've got to got the money from elsewhere so we don't have to stomp up. But the fact you've given me the option to do it, you know what, I think I'm going to put money in. So, I'm, you know, we won't know until the the close of the open offer next week on the 20th. But I'm, I'm quite confident that actually a bit more money will come in. And I think that the guys have, um, you know, they've done exactly what they said they'd do on the tin when they floated. It's just been unfortunate with China. But China is starting to pick up again, actually, in terms of um, people buying goods. They're doing very well on their brand side. And actually, of course, who knows what will happen after mid-October and the 20th party conference has been held. It could be all changed. You never know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, they reported that um, the, the four-year results <laughs> very recently, some account, tickers SMK, it is a corporate client of ours, um, but they reported four-year and they'd said that um, going into the first quarter, so the year ends March, uh, so the first quarter ending June, they, they've actually had very strong, you know, very strong trading. So things, you know, things already picking up for them. So that was, yeah, very positive. Good. Interesting to hear. Okay, uh, you got anything else? No, that is that is it on what has been a, a, a full week, but I, hopefully we've condensed it all pretty well and given some ideas in there. So, yeah. Look hang, on, hang, on, hang on, Phil, it's, the, tomorrow is still part of the week. You're not on a four-day week yet. Yeah, I know, Andrew, I, I understand that, but I hope you've seen that Citigroup are opening an office in Malaga for their <laughs> bankers. <laughs> I did see that, right? But Phil, that is for their new trainees, not experienced analysts like you. Um, and I did wonder whether any of the staff are going to say, hey, Andrew, when are we going to be opening a, an office in Malaga? Um, my parents used to have a villa in Mijas, which is uh, very close to Malaga. I used to, get to go out there every year. I loved it. So it's quite tempting. But I think, as you know, if we're going to have an office anywhere else, it's going to be Cornwall. Uh, the Cornish <laughs> office. So, yeah. Anyway, I think we sort of squeezed the pips out of you, Phil, this week and got as much as we can. So on that note, as I always say, look, if anybody's got any comments on what we've got to say or anybody wants us to talk about anything, you know, we're always happy to accept a challenge. Um, uh, if anybody wants to sponsor or bribe us, we're always open to all of these sort of things. Uh, do get in touch with us. We love to hear from people, but we'll speak to you all again next week. Brilliant. Look forward to that, Andrew.